Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today I'm very pleased to have Dr. Charles Miller, who's Cleveland Clinic's Enterprise Director of Transplantation. We're going to talk a little bit about what to know about organ donation. Charlie, thanks for joining us on Butts and Guts. Oh, thanks, Scott. Pleasure to be here. So as uh, all of my listeners know out there, that uh, we always like to start with a little bit of background about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where did you train, and how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic? I was uh, I had all my medical training in New York at Mount Sinai Hospital, Mount Sinai Medical School, Mount Sinai Hospital, where I became, where I did a surgical residency and a vascular surgery fellowship. And then I couldn't decide what to do with my life. And Mount Sinai made me an offer I couldn't refuse and sent me to Pittsburgh for a year to learn how to do liver transplantation. And so I came back uh, after that year in 1986 and did the first liver transplant in New York and got a program going there for about, I guess, a decade and a half. And then um, uh, we built a really nice thing. We made a transplant institute. And uh, then I got an offer from the Cleveland Clinic that I couldn't turn down. So I came to the Cleveland Clinic to uh, build up the liver transplant program here. And then ultimately, the entire enterprise across all the sites uh, in Cleveland, Florida, and Abu Dhabi. Well, I can honestly say that we're a much better organization because of that decision. So thank you for that. So let's start very high level. And I would just like to recommend to all of our listeners, go take a look at one of our previous, uh, previous episodes one of our Butts and Guts podcasts with Dr. Neil uh, Vidaya for more information on this topic. But really, when is transplant recommended or required for that aspect? And, and what types of organ transplants are there? What, what can we actually transplant? Well, we, we can transplant a lot of things, Scott. And basically, transplantation is the, the last uh, vestige of care for patients with end-stage organ failure. So if you have end-stage kidney failure on dialysis, you have a kidney transplant, if you have end-stage cirrhosis or liver failure or liver transplant, if you have heart failure or a heart transplant or an LVAD now, a left ventricular assist device, and on and on. We can, the routine solid organ transplants are heart, lung, liver, pancreas, kidney, intestine or multivisceral, uh, and now we're doing also th- something called vascularized composite allografts, which consist of uterine transplant for people that were mostly people were born without uteri, so they can have babies, uh, and limb transplants and face transplants. So those are the vascular composite allografts. So, and we do all we do the entire spectrum at the Cleveland Clinic. So I know this depends on the type of organ, but just in general, can you give a rough ballpark for how many transplants are? done or needed a year in the U.S. And are there enough donors out there to meet the demand? So we do, I think, 50 or 60,000 kidney transplants a year, but the, the waiting list is twice or three times that. About nine, maybe eight or 9,000 liver transplants. But again, the list is twice that. So there's, and it's, it's the same for every organ. Uh, the, the, the demand far exceeds the supply. And so there's not enough. Um, and so for some of the organs, we're, we can use living donors for kidneys and livers. But for other ones, we really have to, have to rely on donors from organs from deceased donors. 
who die basically from brain death or sometimes from very, very uh, concurrent cardiac uh, death. So I know there's probably a bucket of reasons for things, but what are some generalized reasons why there's a shortage of organs to donate? Is it a problem that people, I, I mean, I always see the license plates that have a sticker, donate for life, or you're supposed to use the old, the old uh, licenses that would say, I'm a check if you're an organ donor. But do people really actually look at those type of things? Why, why is there a shortage out there? For me, years and years, there was no organized way of identifying yourself to be an organ donor. Now that's better. You know, you in Ohio, you can you know you can check something on your license. It goes into a into a database, and so people can actually know what your uh, wishes were. Now, if you don't have wishes and rely on the family, um, then the family has to make that decision for you, and, and that can be complicated for certain families. It's always good to make a decision, talk about it with your family, uh, and then you know check your organ donor card or check you know, check the uh, data registry, donor registries. I think the other, you know, the other thing is you're a victim of your own success. As transplants for all these organs have achieved un- very high levels of success, the demand has grown. And it's been hard to keep the supply uh, up with the demand. Um, there are organ procurement organizations across this country, about 70 of them, and I think they, in general, they work very hard, but it's always, they're always playing catch up. So it's, it's a, a difficult thing. And I'm not, and I think the, uh, it, the national structure of the organ procurement organizations could be more robust, less punitive, and more supportive. That's a complex question. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So. I, just in very basic terms, for those who don't know or have a little bit, you know, maybe they already have their license. How does one register to be an organ donor? Oh, so really, in, in Ohio, when you get when you go to sign up for your driver's license, they will ask you, "Do you want to be an organ donor?" And you'll you, there's a place to check right there. Now, it's very important for the people that are asking the questions to have some knowledge, and and, and they've become more knowledgeable uh, across the board. Um, you can also, there are also numbers of uh, national websites where you can just make your designation known. And you can always go, most importantly, Scott, every community in this country is, is associated with an organ procurement organization. Here in Cleveland, it's called LifeBank. You can always call your organ procurement organization and they will guide you through the process and be happy to do it. So are there restrictions to being an organ donor? For example, if I've had a history of cancer or could it be, you know, is same things like health or your age or race or gender? I mean, what are, are there restrictions that go about this? Well, there are really very few, to be honest with you. And they're very, obviously, if you have severe end-stage cancer, that would be a that would be a problematic. If you have a severe sepsis or infection, that would be problematic. Age is very relative, and some organs like organs like the liver don't age as some of the other organs do. So there are age criteria, but they're somewhat loose, and it's more physiologic than chronologic. And so, I think the most important thing is you can be an organ donor, and then a group of experts will decide whether or not uh, you're a general organ donor, or if any of the organs could be used. So sometimes you can only use the liver and the kidneys. Let's say. But other times, maybe in younger, some youngers, you can use the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, the liver, the pancreas, everything. So 
little segment we like to call truth or myth. So truth. What is it called? Truth or myth. Okay. So truth or myth. Okay. Only certain type of organs can be donated from a living person and others require the donor to be deceased. Truth. So you can donate one of your two kidneys easily if you're alive, if you're a living donor, and you can donate half of your liver if you're a living donor. If you're a heart donor, you really can't. You can donate a small a portion of one of your lungs, but it's very, very uncommon. And you can donate your uterus uh, once you're finished using it. And so a lot of women have donated their uterus to their daughters who were born without them. Fascinating. Oh, very interesting. So second truth or myth, if I donate an organ, I will have health problems in the future. It is the principle to take an organ or a part of an organ from a live donor, trying to best ensure that is not true. You can never be 100%, but the idea is to choose healthy people that will, with the liver, will regenerate their liver to full function very quickly, or in the kidney. One kidney will suffice. Um, those are the two basic things. And so the answer should be no 99.9% uh, .9 of the time. So looking ahead, I know this is a complex field that just really brings home basic science with translational science to the bedside and, you know, pharmacology and, and immunology. It's, it's incredibly fascinating. But what is on the horizon as far as research into organ transplantation that is essentially going to better our outcomes? As you said, we've had some wonderful successes. We've been able to kind of expand the field for what we uh, donate and, uh, and receive. But what, what do you feel is on the horizon or what's the hot topics right now? So one of the things, you know, in the supply and demand equation you asked about before, there are no perfect uh, guidelines for what a good organ is. And so Sometimes people will not use the organs because they're worried that it may not work well on the recipient. And so one of the things that we're doing is that we're developing uh, perfusion techniques, in which we're using in the liver and the lung, that allow for org organ resuscitation. The organ is taken out, put on a blood pump, and then uh, pump with uh, oxygenated perfusate for a while. We, the, we can actually make the organs better and then transplant them. So a lot of organs that would have been discarded can now be used safely. And that increases the supply. So that's a big area of research. I think making living donors safer and safer to answer the question of patient safety, that's that's key. And I, I know that you just had a podcast with Dr. Vida, you just said. And I, I, I'll bet he spoke something about... Uh, um, uh, stem cells and transplantation and, uh, and inhibiting inflammation. I'm not sure he did, but that's a, an area he's very, very interested in. We're interested in on at the clinic. There have been some amazing um, early successes in turning around rejection uh, using stem cell therapy. So for those who uh, listen, uh, I always like to get our guests a little bit uh, to know them better. So couple of quick hitters to round up. First of all, what is your favorite food? My favorite food? Yeah. Mm. I think it's chicken. <laughs> Any particular style of chicken or just chicken in general? Have you ever had beer can chicken? It's yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> what is your favorite sport? My favorite viewer sport is basketball. What about a sport to play? I have two favorites, kayaking and bike riding. 
Fantastic. And then what is the last non-medical book that you've read? Well, actually, I'm in the middle of reading uh, David McCullough's Truman right now. But um, I read a lot, and um, those, that's, that's what I'm in the middle of right now. But I love, I love good novels, and um, I, lo- I love history, too. That's fantastic. And so tell our listeners, what is one thing that you like about here in Northeast Ohio in Cleveland? I think I like the people. You know, New York was action-packed, but this is a place for families and uh, friends. And it's uh, really a friendly place to live. It's really, really nice. Well, I echo that. And so, uh, so how about some final take-home messages regarding organ transplantation for our listeners? So organ transplantation is safe if you need it. It is a field of medicine and, and, and social study where it's, it's a, the most human equation where humans give organs to humans done by humans. If you haven't, please sign your organ donor card today. Call your OPO. They'll help you. If everybody does that, there'll be plenty to go around. That's great stuff. And so for more information on Cleveland Clinic's Transplant Center or to get more information on becoming a living donor, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash transplant. That's clevelandclinic.org slash T-R-A-N-S-P-L-A-N-T. You can also call our Transplant Center at 216-444-2394. That's 216-444-2394. As you've heard me say, remember, it's always important for you and your family to continue to receive medical care, the appropriate checkups and screenings. And be rest assured here at the Cleveland Clinic, we're taking all of the necessary precautions to sterilize our facilities and protect our patients and caregivers. So, Dr. Miller, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thank you, Scott. Pleasure. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.